Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Kapako for Tevis. You know, we, we, we get testimonies every week. I was preaching two weeks ago, and I, I had a strange word of knowledge. I said, there is someone here, almost every time you sleep, you see in a vision, someone come with a dagger to try to stab you. You know, and the lady came out. I prayed for her. She said, well, that night, as usual, the guy came, tried to stab her. For the first time, she was able to wake up before it happened, and she burst in tongues. And since then, till now, never again. Hallelujah. Listen, don't you understand? He has given him a name. Above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. We are going to submit stubborn powers. In this camp meeting. Did you hear what I said? That's why we're here. But it's a crescendo, so we'll just keep elevating, elevating, elevating. So don't miss it. I'm going to start in a very simple, basic way. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Open as fast as you can. Pray to you. Hallelujah. Are you in 1 Corinthians 13, 13? Read together, one, two, go. Media team, if you have NKJV, put it quickly. This charity is sounding strange, like a familiar name. Hallelujah. It says, and now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Now abides. Listen, if you were to summarize the crux of the Christian faith and you just narrowed it down to these three, you would not be wrong. Faith, hope, and love. You would not be wrong. Faith in God and in his Christ, preempted by the hope of eternal life and by the understanding and reception of the love of Christ. You would not be wrong. That's what everything we do is about. All the preaching and the devotion, all the programs, faith, hope, and love. And what does the Bible say about faith? So many things to be said about faith. In Romans 10 verse 9, it says, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, Greek word pistil, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto eternal life. Now, that's so powerful. So many things to be said about faith. What does the Bible say about love? So many things to be said about love. The simple, arguably the most powerful, for God loved the world this way. He gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. Now, that's so powerful. And if I give you an exam, you know, that phrase that everybody hates, tear sheet of paper. <laughs> PTSD, right? <laughs> you know? If I told you to offhand give me text on faith and love and hope, I can tell you which one most people will feel. And that's hope. And the Bible says these three abide. Yeah, the greatest of these is love. We can tell why, because that's the, that's the bond of perfection, the Bible says. But how come we have not learned as much about hope? We need to learn about hope. And that's what I want to talk about this evening. Are you ready? So, well, what is hope? <laughs> and just be patient with me, I'm going somewhere. Some of you will not understand by what I'm about to say next. What is hope? The Oxford Dictionary defines hope thus. To want something to happen and have good reason that it might. To want something to happen and to have good reason that it might. For instance, Arsenal fans hoping, oh, you know I'm going there that their team will win Champions League. Yeah. That's the real God win. <laughs> it has turned from God win to God whenever. Like, <laughs> that's, that's no hope. It's hope against hope. <laughs> you know, I finally figured out why I cannot be a football fanatic. I love the game. I follow it as often as I can. But it's just silly to me because now, think of last season, for instance, some Arsenal fans were expecting to win. They were sad when they lost. <laughs> Do you know that's a mystery? <laughs> like, what did you expect? Because, because this, this is the logic. Logically, the best team should win. <laughs> Do you, you understand? No, I'm, not, I'm just saying logically, right? Usually, the best team wins. But because you are a fan... You expect, it's just like Man City playing Man U. And then Man U loses, and Man U fans are sad. If that's not a mystery, tell me what is. <laughs> you know, so that's just hope. I like, I, I, it may happen. It may not, but if there is a chance, even if it's 1%, or in Arsenal's case, 0.000, you know, percent, I'll take it. Another example, I hope I win a lottery. I hope you, there's nobody like that here. Are you aware that stat statistically, you are more likely to be struck by lightning I'm talking about proven statistics than to win a lottery. You are more likely to be selected to go to the moon. <laughs> like if they want to select people. <laughs> but you can still hope because that's what it's about. Right? You know, when I traveled with my kids to Dubai, 
there's this game. It is a hoop game, a basketball hoop game, and that thing is a fraud. <laughs> I'm telling you, that, that thing is a fraud. So first and foremost, just over the hoop, there is a net. And so people who know sports know that that means you can't arc your shot well enough. And then the rim wasn't circular. It was just a bit, it was, it was almost a rectangle. Just imagine a rectangular rim. So it has to be a pure shot to enter. And, and then you can't arc it for it to be pure. So you, you, you imagine, oh my God. I don't like to lose. <laughs> so I knew statistically it was almost impossible. But I was going to try. Listen, there are some that are possible. Not all of them have that level of difficulty. But I was going to try. And I missed a couple of times. Each time you pay, you get two chances. And I paid for two slots, you know. So I missed the first one. I got the second one. I celebrated like I won the Champions League. I almost moved my jersey. Go, you know. <laughs> and then I got the third one. That was it. I wanted to win a doll for my children. Do you know what this scam said? He said, the first set, because I'm supposed to win two consecutive. And I did win, make two consecutive shots, but the first set is separate from the second set. So even if I made this and the first one of the next, it doesn't count. Ah, I said, and they said Nigeria has corruption. <laughs> but the thing is, before I started, I knew the difficulty. But there is just something about us. We like to psych ourselves. I can't do it now. You know, the pastor of, <laughs> he's my son, I can't talk about it. The pastor of our UK church, years ago, they announced <laughs> a marathon in Lagos. <laughs> and he and my PA then just said, we will do it. <laughs> I said, do what? I, I said, I said, wait first. Do you just want to participate like is good ex exercise. He said, no, they believe they can win. <laughs> when was the last time you ran? <laughs> oh, my God. By the time they were coming back, they looked like someone that trailer has climbed. And you know me, I'm sorry, sometimes. I was just like, so how did it go? <laughs> And I gave one wicked laughter. The laughter with high pitch. <laughs> you know? But hey, listen, I said all of that to say this. And pay attention. Don't miss the point. That definition in the context of Bible theology is wrong. Because some of you carry that idea. When the Bible talks about hope, salvific hope, hope of eternal life. You know, say, I hope I make heaven eternal life. I want to leave it when you come to collect your people, you know. So now, listen, listen. All debates, 
for or against eternal security come from an understanding or misunderstanding of the biblical definition of hope. So a crash, crash course, course on hermeneutics, the science of Bible interpretation. Never interpret Bible words with English dictionary. So when I said Oxford, I thought some of you saying, hmm? And that's what I was trying to excuse and say, you know, well, just wait for me. I'm heading somewhere. But some of you didn't even catch it. You never interpret Bible words with English dictionary. Let me tell you a story. There was this man who went to a bar. And there, he saw at the corner of the bar, four men plotting. So he listened because they were speaking his language, which is Dutch. And they were planning to execute someone. And he could tell from their conversation that this person was a good person. They were just envious of him. And he just felt, I can't let this happen. I'm going to trail them and abort this mission. So he listened and he heard they wanted to poison his food. So he followed them to the hotel. He watched them pour the poison into the food of this man. And they left. And this man was about to eat. He was happy because they told him, listen, the food is free. It's complimentary. And he was happy. The food is a gift. But there was one problem. When he came close, trying to tell the man, hey, they're after your life, he discovered he is Dutch speaking and the man is English speaking. So how do I communicate? I don't even know any English. I'm just going to try. So he in Dutch tried to warn him, poison. But guess what poison is in, English, in Dutch? Gift. Gift, gift, gift. And the man said, I know, thank you. <laughs> Some words, same spelling, have completely different meanings in different languages. So, for instance, when the Bible says, evil communication corrupts good manners. That's a common example I give. Was he talking about talking? He was talking about association. Right? Evil association corrupts. But he said communication because that was King James language. That's the way they spoke at the time. So you don't just lift it. Communication. What is communication? Oxford. You, 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 you don't lose. <laughs> so what is hope? Before I tell you, what biblical hope is. Let's see the usage. I mean, that's, that's another law of hermeneutics, right? Context, right? Look at Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19. English. Hope is optimistic. I hope it happens. It might or might not, but I hope it does. So hope is fickle and wavering and, and fragile and sensitive. But Bible hope. It's 
says, which hope we have as what? And oh my God. An anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Is hope in English sure? Is hope in English steadfast? No, but not Bible hope. He says, Bible hope is an anchor. Have you seen an anchor before? It, it holds the sheep at bay and, and prevents the sheep from just wandering on the ocean. It anchors it to the bank. Biblical hope is an anchor. In English, hope is optimistic. But biblical hope, Greek word elpis, means confidence. It means the opposite of English hope. It actually means confidence. When you say you have hope, in Bible parlance, you're actually saying, I'm confident. I have no iota of doubt. It says, which hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into the veil. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Oh my God, this is going to bless you. So when the Bible talks about hope of eternal life, Titus 1-2, Titus 3-7, is it talking about something, you know, that you want but you may not get? Answer me. Elpis. This is Bible hope in definition. And Elpis makes not ashamed. Oh God. Oh God. Are you here tonight? It says when you have Bible hope, you don't blush in shame. The time for the manifestation doesn't come and you realize, oh, you just wasted your time. It never happens. And hope makes not ashamed. Hope makes not ashamed. Hope makes not ashamed. This is Bible hope. Listen. And never try to excuse the theology by its extremes. So some people have taken the doctrine of eternal security, turned it into licentiousness. Well, that's a discussion for another day. Listen, even the Bible abominates such. But if you have any definition or teaching of salvation that is void of assurance, that's not the salvation of Christ. In the salvation of Christ, there is an anchor. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. All the saints of old gladly laid their lives down. You won't do that if you had any doubt where you were going. Are you listening to me? Listen, we can theologize from now till next year. But if they put a sword on your throat and your confession doesn't change... It means you have an anchor. Come on, are you with me? They had an anchor. And trust me, it wasn't because they were perfect. It wasn't because. They definitely were not licentious. Why must we just debate all day, hanging on to two extremes? We have this hope as an anchor for our souls. 
sure and steadfast. Meaning, when you are saved, you know you are saved. And you know that nothing can take it away. This is Bible hope. Go back to Hebrews 6. Let's just flow with the thoughts and see what he's saying. Now, when someone promises something and you say, promise me you're going to do it. Some people have the character of saying, I swear, right? We can debate whether it is right biblically to do that. But the idea of swearing is to give the person assurance beyond reasonable doubt. Amen, somebody. So now, the writer of Hebrews wants to describe Bible hope to you. And this is what he says from verse 13. It says, God made a promise to Abraham, and because he couldn't swear by anyone greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely in blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Follow the train of thought. God promised, and Abraham received. And then he says, for men indeed swear by greater, and an oath of confirmation is an end of all disputes, meaning when someone swears, generally you know, okay, so he means what he's saying. At least so it is meant to be. Some people can lie at the expense, you know. Verse 17, thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heir of the promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. It says, and that by two immutable things, it is impossible that God should lie. That we may have strong consolation. Say strong consolation. Oh, Jesus. This is, this is the Bible. Say again, say strong consolation. Strong consolation. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. So in hope, there is strong consolation. Ah, Jesus. The only similarity between the dictionary meaning, English dictionary meaning of hope and Bible hope is that it is futuristic. But it is possible for something to be in the future, but yet you have strong consolation. Come on, are you with me? Say, I have strong consolation. Oh my God, say it with conviction. Say, I have strong consolation. Oh my God. Now listen, look at what Philippians chapter 1 verse 20 says. This is getting interesting. You know, so Paul is just talking about his salvific journey and all of that. And he says, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed Similar thought with Romans 5.5. 5. In nothing ashamed. So that's hope. Meaning, biblical hope has no probability of failure. Biblical hope doesn't mean likelihood of success. It means confidence of success. 
Biblical hope doesn't mean probability of success. It means confidence, strong assurance. Listen, so he says, look at the nuance here. Look at the context in which this is, this is used. He says, expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But that with boldness. So when you have Bible hope, you're bold. Oh, Jesus. Come on, are you with me? Say, when I have Bible hope, I'm bold. Say, when I have Bible hope, I'm bold. So when the Bible talks about hope of eternal life, it's something to be bold about. Paul talked bold about the salvation of the people to whom he preached. Being confident of this very thing, he said, he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Any definition of hope or of salvation that doesn't give a preacher the right to make that kind of statement, not about himself, but about his congregation, is wrong. Whatever your conviction of the doctrine of salvation will either make Paul blasphemous for that statement or correct for that statement. Do you know what they're doing in their houses? How can you say being confident? You have confidence not for yourself, but for people. He who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Say again, say strong consolation. Say it like you got it. Say it like you know it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, I said, thank you, Jesus. Come on, I said, thank you, Jesus. Now, from whence does this hope come? Where does it come from? Oh, maybe it's just Paul. Paul is extra with these things. Did they not say that he taught some things that are hard to be understood? Okay, let's see what Peter has to say about this. First Peter chapter 1. Are you learning anything? First Peter chapter 1 verse 3. We'll read verse 3 into verse 4. I like verse 4. I think I would make a brief deviation and tell you why I like verse 4. From verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a living hope. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I, I can preach a whole day on this. Say living hope. You, you, listen, you're going to know why he says your hope is alive right now. He says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It means your symbol of hope is alive. Because he rose from the dead, we know that there is life after death. And our evidence is alive. Because that life raised him from the dead, though he had been dead three days. And now this is the Bible reasoning and spiritual logic and provision. If the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he shall also... Now, that's hope. That's assurance. It produces the same results. Come on, say loud, amen. Yeah. It, it says living hope. My hope is alive. This is, this, is, this is what Paul taught in Athens. 
in Athens didn't believe in eternal life. Didn't believe in life after death. These guys were intellectuals. And in their intellectual, you know, pedigree, they just believed, well, you know, you know what Socrates said? Socrates said, I hope to go hence to good men. He said this on his deathbed. What a life. Despite all your brilliance. Socrates lived in the time of Isaiah. I hope to go hence to good men, but of that I'm not sure. Neither can anyone be sure. I depart and you stay. Who is in a better state? Only God knows. He, he, he said that. Great in wisdom. But when it comes to salvific wisdom, he was ignorant. And then Paul comes on the scene. To the same Athens in Greece, the same place. And he says, I beheld your devotion. And this is what I want to say. God has proven eternal life in his son. By the resurrection of Jesus, Acts 17, he says he has given all men assurance. This is why he says your hope is alive. Hallelujah. Because he lives, I know that eternal life exists. Because he was a man. I'm telling you, yeah, he is God, but he was a man. He became a man. For the word became flesh, dwelt amongst us. He became a man and he died. The fact that he died proved that he was truly a man. He couldn't have died if he was not a man. And he rose again. If he rose again, I can rise again. My hope is alive. He says he has begotten us unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. This is what informs our assurance, our strong consolation, the resurrection of Christ. There is hope in the promise of the cross. He gave everything to save the world. And this hope is an anchor for my soul. Unshakable. Sing it one more time. There is hope. There is hope. In the promise of the cross Cause he gave everything And this hope Is an anchor for my soul Our faith will stand It will stand the test of time Unshakable You might need to prophesy that one more time Sing there is hope There is hope are you grateful tonight he gave everything he gave his best Christ was his best and this hope and this hope is an anchor for my soul our faith will stand unshakable someone might be going through a tough time so sing it so they will hear say there is hope in the promise of the cross. Oh, Manaka fire. He gave everything to save the world he loves. And this hope.
again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance to an inheritance incorruptible undefiled and that does not fade away listen let me ask you a question and if you have the honesty to admit you will tell me did you ever wonder even if it was as a child if heaven would be boring? This is your answer right here. It says it fades not away. You will never get used to it. Listen, so it won't be the next week or the next month. You just go, oh, that's it. I'm bored. No! It doesn't fade away. Meaning you will never lose the wonder. Every day there will be something to see. The Bible says in the throne room of God, People cry, holy, holy, holy. They don't get tired because it doesn't fade away. And the one who is giving you this promise created you. He created the concept of appetite. He knows how to please you. I'm telling you, there's a lot to see. You think food satisfies you? Wait till you see your maker. You think sleep satisfies you? Wait till you see your maker. And then you will know that every other thing pales in comparison. This is my love. This is my God. Oh my God. Listen, you will know every sacrifice, every persecution was worth it. You will just know. Just by looking at him, you will know. Just by looking into his eyes, you will know. It was worth it. The persecution was worth it. The pain was worth it. Ah, no wonder Paul said, what can separate me from the love of God and Christ? Is there anything I have I won't give up? Is it life? Is it death? Is it clothes? Is it money? Hey, he says in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, that's strong consolation. Strong consolation. Strong. Listen, some of you are going through a tough time now, but you have strong consolation. You don't even know that miracle you are looking for will happen but you have strong consolation hallelujah and that hope is founded on the risen Christ he's my living hope hallelujah my hope is alive my hope will never fade away it's incorruptible and undefiled take a minute and rejoice right now rejoice
from whence does this hope come? In Ephesians 1.13, it says, In whom you also trusted. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. It says, In whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. That's where the hope comes from. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit in you is your anchor. Hallelujah. He's your anchor. As long as, as he's there, God is never going to lose his hold over you. He's there. He's not going anywhere. He's a seal. That's what he is. A seal. A down payment of promise. Such that when, you know, when the billows roll, the thunders are, are just raging, you look at your anchor. You look at your anchor. Come on, tell me, is your anchor intact? Come on, is your anchor intact? And one more time, listen. This is not a call to licentiousness because the fruit of the Spirit is. Come on, are you with me? Love, joy, peace. Nobody who has the Spirit will go on licentiously. But we have an anchor. Say, I have an anchor. And to the last text, we're going to read this with a new lens of understanding and we will rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Are you ready for this? Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. Let me tell you something. ever watch any scary movie about rapture and you were so scared? Did you ever watch the movie for the seventh time and you were not as scared anymore? Fear is not an anchor. You can't scare people into heaven. You cannot. Have you preached to people and you say, you will perish? They say, we know. Has it happened? Tell me, those of you who evangelize, because what is the real anchor is the Holy Ghost. Hope, preach the love of Christ, faith in Jesus. That's the real anchor. Fear dissipates. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. As loud as you can and with gusto. I want you to read together one, two, go. To whom it may known. What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles? Which is the what? Listen. I want you to read from Christ in you and instead of hope, say the confidence. Are you ready? Read it again. One to go. Christ in you, the confidence of glory. No wonder he says, though now you see him not. You rejoice with joy unspeakable. Listen, that's the language of confidence. Because if you don't see him and hope is fickle and probable, there's nothing to rejoice about until you see him. But the fact that he says rejoice now, it means he knows you have an anchor. Rejoice like you got it. Come on. Rejoice in the Lord your hope.
Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.